calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. The Astrea Trilogy Written and read by Seymour Hamilton Book One The Voyage South Chapter Six In which the Molly sails north without Astrea When Yan burst over the top of the green dike along the shore, the Molly's crew had stopped pretending to work, and even Roaring Jack stared at Yan's sudden return. One oar trailed from his left hand, and he clutched the other awkwardly across his body. He had no sooner crested the dike than he fell down the bank towards the water, landing on the mud in a tangle of oars and limbs. Struggling to his feet, he stumbled to the rowboat, threw in the oars, pushed at the bow until it was afloat, and then splashed aboard, nearly falling a second time. "'What's happening? Where's Strayer? Here they come!' Red Ian, Roaring Jack, and Skarm all spoke at once. Rowing splashily towards the molly, Yan could see the men running along the top of the dike, some readying their bows as they came. Confused shouting from the men on shore spurred Yan to redouble his efforts. He pulled at his oars with all his strength, jerking the little dory across the river. Still splashing wildly, he arrived at the molly with a thump. Red Ian reached down a huge hand and pulled him aboard by the back of his shirt, the oars still in his hands. Skarm reached with a boat-hook, scooped up the painter, and secured the little boat astern of the molly. "'Where's Strayer? demanded Roaring Jack, holding Yan by the shoulders and shaking him. "'Strayer's—Strayer's dead! They—they they killed him!' "'I'll have their balls for breakfast!' Smacking a huge hand on the cabin top as he spoke, Red Ian swung one leg over the side to get into the rowboat. An arrow hit the side of the boat and stuck there, quivering. They all froze. "'Don't let them kill me, too!' whimpered Yan. Roaring Jack reacted first. With one hand he shoved Yan's head below the cockpit combing, and with the other he jerked Red Ian backwards into the boat. Ignoring the archers on shore, the skipper stood at the tiller. "'Skarm! The anchor!' As Skarm started forward, a volley of arrows zipped overhead, one of them striking the mast and glancing off into the cockpit. Roaring Jack did not flinch. "'Red! Hoist the main! Skarm's got the jib!' The sails jerked upwards. Roaring Jack sheeted in, both shielding Skarm from view and turning the molly's bow towards the sea. "'Never mind the anchor. Cut us adrift!' More arrows flew, most of them passing overhead. Two hit the molly's side, and one skipped across the cabin top. "'She's coming around to port. 
"'Stay low, Skarm!' Roaring Jack shouted. Slowly the molly's bow swung to the sluggish current. "'Get down yourself, Jack!' said Skarm, as he slid feet first into the cockpit. "'We're washing the anchor on the port side,' he added calmly. "'Seems a pity to leave it behind.' Roaring Jack put the tiller hard over, and the molly turned her stern towards the men along the dike. The wind freshened, the boom swung over with a thud, and the sail began to draw. Skarm stood to trim the jib. With both the wind and the current to help her, the boat gathered speed. Arrows splashed into the water astern, and the shouting on the shore faded as the river joined with the sea and the wind strengthened. "'We've done it, lads,' said Roaring Jack. "'You can come up now.' Jan and Red Ian both stood up, cautiously scanning the shoreline. Skarm still stood by the jib-sheet. An arrow pinned his crippled arm to the mast. "'Sliced squirmin' eels, Skarm! You're hit!' "'Just get me free of it,' said Skarm between clenched teeth. In the same instant Red Ian had a hand on the tiller, and Roaring Jack was pulling his knife out of its sheath. The skipper reached behind Skarm's back and cut the arrow close to its head. Skarm sagged forward, the shaft still poking through his arm, as the skipper eased him into the cockpit. "'Yank it out, Jack!' Roaring Jack hesitated. He gently pulled the shirt away from around the arrow, tore it back to the shoulder, and then sliced the shirt-sleeve free in two pieces. As he bunched the torn pieces together, he frowned at the blood oozing around the arrow shaft. "'Grit your teeth, Skarm!' Skarm grunted as the skipper pulled the arrow out with one hand and immediately clamped his wadded shirt-sleeve around both the holes. Roaring Jack and Skarm both nodded approvingly as blood soaked into the improvised dressing. "'Could have been squirtin,' said Roaring Jack. "'But not for long,' said Skarm softly. "'Yan, get me another shirt,' said Roaring Jack. "'Top of me kit-bag. Go, now!' Yan jumped down into the cabin, rummaged around, and came back up, the shirt held ahead of him. The skipper unceremoniously tore it into strips and bound up Skarm's arm. "'We have to go back for Australia,' said Skarm. "'He may only be hurt.' "'He's dead, Skarm. I saw them do it. His head's all broken in,' Yan sobbed. Tears streaked the mud that spattered his face. Secretly he was amazed at how easily they came, and how well they reinforced his lies. He knelt on the cockpit sole, his head bowed, knowing that as long as he did not have to meet their eyes, his story would be believed. "'At least go back and talk to him,' said Skarm. He tried to get to his feet, but lost his balance. The skipper caught him and eased him back into a sitting position. "'Put me ashore, and I'll talk to him,' said Red Ian. "'I'll talk to them right nice.' "'They'll kill you, Red.' whimpered Yan. They don't care. There was a silence during which Yan saw his chance. Put me ashore, Skipper, he said with a tremble in his voice that was only partly a show. M maybe when they see I'm no danger to them, they'll listen. Roaring Jack finished binding Skarm's arm. It's enough we'd lost Straya without I send you to be killed. Yan turned his sigh of relief into a carefully crafted moan. "'I should have,' he stammered. 
"'It's my fault, not yours, Yan,' said Roaring Jack. "'And now I've got to tell Alanna her son's gone because of me.' His huge voice cracked. He cleared his throat and shook his head. "'Now there's a load of work to do, and two men short. Stay where you are, Skarm. Give me the tiller, Red, and fetch the anchor aboard. We'll have to tack before we try for the gap in the reef. Ready about!' He brought the molly about close to the reef, and headed back towards the shore on the starboard tack. Red Ian bent below the boom and squinted under the belly of the jib with his head only a couple of hand-spans from the water. "'Shoulin' up, skipper. I can see bottom. Right, Red.' Roaring Jack took the molly as close to the shore as he dared, risking the possibility of grounding, but needing a good angle with which to attack the reef. "'Ready about, Lee-ho!' he muttered. Red Ian tended the sheets, bringing the molly about to head for the gap in the breakers. The wind eased as they started into the narrow passage, and then as they sailed into the weedy stretch of water between the breakers, it strengthened again. With the skipper looking to windward, and Red Ian to Lee, they drove close-hauled through confused water that swirled muddy-brown and weedy, then foam-flecked, and finally sea-green. The molly's bow dipped and rose to the swell, then punched into the first real wave. "'You can ease her now, skipper. You got plenty of room.' With Red Ian handling both main and jib-sheets, Roaring Jack coaxed the molly through two more waves on into the blue water. When the two of them looked down at their feet, Yan was holding Skarm's head as he lay on the cockpit sole. "'He keeled over when we came about. I, I, I caught him. I, is he alive?' Roaring Jack knelt and put his fingers to Skarm's throat. "'He's alive, but he's passed out,' said Roaring Jack. "'Good work, Yan. Keep her as she goes, Red. Come on, Yan, take his feet and we'll get him below.' It's a lee berth for Skarm and double watches for us. We've run out of luck. We're heading home. You have been listening to the Estrella Trilogy, Book One, The Voyage South, written and read by Seymour Hamilton. All three books are available in electronic and paper formats from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Chapters. Visit astreatrilogy.com for more about Estrella's world. This audio version is licensed under the United States Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0.